So Jesus, we say again, that I say often, is we believe in the Holy Spirit. Um, and even one of the creeds says, the Lord and giver of life. So we say that because we know that if we simply try to read and study the Bible from an academic point of view, a this-worldly point of view, we might gain knowledge, but we won't gain supernatural wisdom and insight, and that's what we desperately need. So we ask your Holy Spirit to open our eyes, open our ears, so we can see and hear and respond to what you want us to see and hear and respond so we can be the kind of people who your word says can be full of the life and the power that come from God. We want to be those kind of people who are part of your world revolution, uh, turning people to the love of God in their lives. And we ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. So, <clears throat> I've asked this question lately, what's going on? And here's, there's two situations that have gotten me asking this question. And it's been kind of a front burner thing for me. So, I, I ride my bike a lot up and down the Beeline Trail. I start down near Burger King, go all the way up. And some of you, you guys walked in the Beeline Trail, some of you, right? Maybe? You will frequently see homeless people on the Beeline Trail, right? Frequently. And some of them, not all of them, but some of them, you can tell pretty quickly that we'll use the term they have a mental health issue. One time I was on the Beeline Trail and some woman had a a baseball bat banging it on a metal bench like it was a gong. And when I came back, a half hour later, she was still doing the same thing. I thought, this is not a normal, healthy person. All right? So a lot of homeless issues, I think, are mental health issues. But then I, then I have lately have stopped and asked myself, okay, we write this off as mental health issue. And there are some, obviously, mental health issues. But Shouldn't we ask the question, is there a spiritual issue going on here? I mean, because mental health almost makes it sound like, oh, mental health issues, sorry. They need therapy or whatever. But is there a spiritual health issue going on here? Is there something in the other world that we can't see happening that holds that person captive? I mean, it's made me think, I, I think... I've, I've been wondering what God wants me to do with that when I see people. I'm not going to... But I just... I think about that a lot. And even this morning, I don't know if you noticed, Aaron, some woman was, came into the building, and then she tried, and then she came in like at 9.30, and she says, is there a church? I says, yeah, we meet at 10.30. You're welcome to come in. And I know she's been here in the past because she gets coffee and donuts and leaves. All right, but she's not. She has a mental health issue. But then I think, wait a minute. We too, maybe too quickly just say mental health issue, and did we not go deep enough? Is there something else going on there? Then the other thing, the what's going on, is, you know, I have a list here of, over the last number of years, through four or five, just some of the mass shootings happening, right? And the mass shooting that happened this last week in Highland Park, Illinois, and it seems like a lot of the mass shooting people are all just called angry young men, right? And you think, what's going on? And we typically, as the press does, there's obviously, I mean, most of these people who do this most of these young men do that. They're not like from happy, healthy families, so we write it off as a mental health issue. And then just, and just this week, I was watching some commentator talk on television, and they said, you know, it's, yes, we need to think about gun control issues. I don't own a gun. I'm not a gun guy, but I'm not. So I'm, 
We need, yes, we need to think about red flag laws to try to figure out who should get guns and who has mental health issues. Yes, we need to offer more mental health to people. But then this person, this was actually Bill Bennett, who used to be in the Secretary of Education years ago. He said, but here's my question. Shouldn't we go deeper? He said, where are the priests and the pastors and the rabbis in these conversations? Because there's something else. He said there's evil going on that he said, said is deeper than just mental health. So, and then I thought, you know, we, we, we I, maybe you do too, we think, okay, it's these mental health issues, we didn't seem to have resources for these mental health issues. And I thought, okay, wait, if we go deeper, are there spiritual issues? And, I, and I'm going to hit the weird meter today. Are there, are there health issues, the demonic issues? There's demonic issues going on there. I'm not saying every mental health issue is a demonic issue, but we kind of write it off pretty quickly. And just mental health, when, I mean, when, I, when I'm going down the Beeline Trail, and if somebody you can tell really has some issues and they're talking out loud and ranting, their talking out loud and ranting is always angry. Nobody's ranting about, you know, joy, peace, and love. There's an anger to their ranting. And you've seen those, there's an anger to it, and you think it, there's a darkness to it. You know, you think if it was just a mental switch that needed to be flipped, sometimes they might be kinder than they usually are, but they're always angrier and, and more dark than they usually are. So it makes me think, okay, there's something else going on there. So then I thought, okay, let's, let's look at the Gospels. I've been doing a series, the Gospel of Jesus, following Jesus. There's no one like him. Matthew wrote the Gospel. Matthew was a former tax collector, hated by the Jews. And then all of a sudden he follows Jesus, and he's recording all these events. And the Gospel of Matthew talks seven different occasions about demon possession. Now again, weird meter, I'm not trying to, but demon possession, and maybe the, uh, the better word might be, uh, the, the better word translated might be demonized, harassed people, all right? The demon harassed people that Jesus set free, all right? Um, seven times in the Gospel of Matthew that occurs, and then I thought, okay, were they, was it just a cultural misunderstanding? Was it all mental health issues? And did Jesus just misunderstand it? He goes, it wasn't part of the, there wasn't psychiatry then. And I, I, if we trust the Bible and we trust Jesus, Jesus thought they were possessed, harassed by demons. So maybe they were. Maybe there's a connection between mental health and demonic harassment. Because the, 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 the word doesn't necessarily mean a demon is in you, although sometimes it can mean. It also means harassed by a demon, harassed by a dark force, all right? So I don't know that if Jesus rode his bike up and down the Beeline Trail, he would just say, oh, mental health issue, mental health issue, mental health issue. And again, I'm not, I'm not knocking mental health needs, but I don't think Jesus, I don't think any of the early Christians would have walked down the Beeline Trail or looked about these, you know, dark forces of these young men who are shooting people. I don't think they'd all say it was just mental health. They said there's something else going on. And I, I'm just saying maybe we need to think about that. I, my, here's my analogy. It's like I have reading glasses. Um, I should wear them more often. But sometimes if I can't read something, I'll be like in the kitchen. I'll be like re trying to read a bottle. And sometimes I think all it is I just need to clean my glasses off. But then, and you're in this situation too, if you're older than whatever age has reading glasses, I just need to turn the light on because sometimes the light really helps. 
And I wonder if sometimes we look at mental health issues and, these, and we just try to clean our glasses off and maybe the Holy Spirit's saying to us, turn the light on and see something a little bit differently. See things as it really is. So um, I'm going to do, and so I kind of was, we're sticking in Matthew. So I thought I'm going to kind of mine out of Matthew what's going on here. So we're going to start with this story from Matthew chapter 8. And what's interesting is in the Gospel of Matthew, it's seven times uh, the word demon-possessed, or I'll just say demonized, occurs. It's a Greek word. It means kind of demonized or whatever. In other Gospels, they'll also talk about evil spirits. In the original language there, that's unclean spirits. So, but for some reason in Matthew, he uses the term demonized, you know, demon-possessed. He uses that term. He also uses evil spirits, which again is unclean spirits, but the other gospel writers often talk about unclean spirits. It's the same kind of dynamic. They're talking about a spirit that's not from God, therefore it must be evil. All right. So this is a story from Matthew chapter 8. I think that when the week I did Matthew 8, I might have talked about this, but I might have skipped over it, not, not out of fear or anything. So in the gospel of Matthew, let me just, let me just real quick go through the, the seven different times, real quick where demon possession is mentioned. Again, it must have been significant that Matthew included these stories, and it must be significant because it happened that many times, all right? Uh, Matthew 4, just as many people were demon-possessed, brought to Jesus, and he healed them. Matthew 8, demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast them out the spirits. Matthew 8, again, there were two men possessed by a demon. We'll read that story in a second. Matthew 9, there was a demon-possessed man who couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. Jesus healed him. Matthew 12, there was a demon-possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. He healed him. Matthew 15, a Gentile woman who had a daughter who was possessed by a demon that tormented her. Jesus heals her. Matthew 17, a man comes to Jesus because there's a, a, demon, uh, a demon harassing his son, threw him in the fire occasionally. Jesus heals him. So, Jesus believed there was another world happening in these people. And regardless of how you would think about that, they went from unhealed, they, went, they, they were healed instantaneously, which I don't know a single mental health expert that can make that happen, right? If you have any kind of anxiety or schizophrenic issues, I'm not, I'm not making light of those, but if you know anybody that can heal like that, that person would be a millionaire, right? Because Jesus healed things like that. So this particular situation, uh, there were two different men that had been demonized. In the other Gospels, they tell a story about one, maybe because one was more prominent. Um, but let me, look, we'll start putting put on the slide here. So I'm going to, this is the first part of the passage, and then I'll finish the passage. But this is what it says. When Jesus arrived on the other side of the lake in the region of the Gadarenes, this is in the Galilee region, northern Israel, all right. Two men who were possessed by demons, there's that word, demonized, possessed by demons, met him. They came out of the tombs and, read the yellow with me, so violent, all right? Violent. Now think about mass shootings, think about people who are talking to themselves in the Beeline Trail. There's usually, they're usually violence, right? Anger. They were so violent that no one could go through that area. The other Gospels talk about that even if they would chain them up, they could break the chains. I mean, there was, but I want to focus on the so violent. 
All right. They were sold by now. Leave it on here because I don't have the rest of the I'm going to read the rest of the passage. Just leave it on this slide. They were so violent. No one, then they began screaming at Jesus. Why are you interfering with us, son of God? Have you come here to torture us before God's appointed time? There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding in the distance. So the demons begged. If you cast us out, send us into that herd of pigs. All right, go, Jesus commanded them. So the demons came out of the men and into the pigs, and the whole herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to a nearby town, telling everyone what happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the entire town came out to meet Jesus. And this last line is kind of interesting. But they begged him to go away and leave them alone. They were so rattled by what just happened. Even though these two demon-possessed men were set free... They were so rattled by this supernatural that they said, just leave. I mean, maybe sometimes we'd rather have life as it is than to have life as what it could be if Jesus gets involved, right? And we don't, well, that's a little bit too rattling. That's unsettling. I'll just take it as it is and kind of just talk about mental health issues and leave it that way, all right? So it's, 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 I think we may have done the same thing. Leave, Jesus. I liked my life. How I had figured out how to make life work for me. You come in and you have this supernatural d- dynamic that pff, changes things, but it makes it unsettling for me, all right? So they were so violent, all right? Now I'm going to skip. The next one's going to be from the Gospel of Luke, but it's the same story, all right? Luke 8, because there's a reason I'm switching this one, all right? Actually, read this whole thing with me out loud. Here we go. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and perfectly sane. That phrase again, perfectly sane. And they were all afraid. Again, they're afraid. They're afraid because, well, this, go to the next slide. This guy was so violent, and now he's, there's two of them, but Gospels of Luke talk about one. But per, so violent to perfectly sane, like in probably a minute or less? How does that happen? I mean, you can understand why these people were like rattled by this. Like, all they knew was, yeah, don't go over there by the tombs because those two guys are crazy and they're violent and they run around naked, Scripture tells us. They're, we can't stop them, so just stay away. I'm sure parents told their kids, don't even get close to that area because they're just violent. They're angry. All right? And then they come back and see these guys sitting there with their clothes on, perfectly sane. Some translations say in their right minds. No more mental health issues. Because Jesus did something. So the question then is how? Again, I'm all for mental health therapy. I've gone to therapy myself. I'm all for mental health therapy medication. I have family members, not our current family, but extended family members who I get that. But I also wonder sometimes if we don't even think about the role that the dark forces of Satan might play in some of the issues that we see in our culture today. And we just kind of write it off and kind of like Bill Bennett said, where are the pastors and priests? And I'll just say, where are the Christians? And I'm including myself in that. All right. So how does that happen? And does it still happen today? Can it still happen today? Or is that, well, that was Jesus. He had like supernatural power. He could do that. But, you know, ever since he left, we're just on our own and we have to kind of just make it happen. You know, we can't make it happen. We're just help, 
So wait till Jesus comes back. You know, I don't, Jesus, Jesus wouldn't start this movement and then all of a sudden say, yeah, that's, that was enough of a commercial, but the rest of life's going to be really hard for you and this never happens again. That's not the gospel, right? And actually, he actually tells, go to the next slide here, I think it is. So this is later in Gospel of Matthew still, all right? Jesus is, so the passage we just read, Jesus cast out the demons. They went from so violent to perfectly sane. Now this is what Jesus is telling his disciples, and maybe we're part of that crowd too today, all right? Jesus called the 12 disciples together, and he gave them the authority to cast out evil spirits. Wow, it's not just Jesus. He gave them the authority until every kind of disease and illness. A few verses later, Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. This was his marching orders to them. Go and announce to them the kingdom of heaven is near. We sang the song, the kingdom of heaven is near. Life with God is now accessible for ordinary average people who thought they were never could experience friendship with God like that. That's the gospel. That was Jesus' message. If you trust me, Jesus said, you will experience life in friendship with God under his good, kind, strong rule that you could, you've never thought you could, you know, you never thought you're good enough for it, but it's available to you. That was the message. But then he said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy. Read this part in the yellow for me. Cast out demons. Even saying it, we're probably like, ugh, it's kind of weird. Cast out demons, right? But he gave them the authority to do that. Not only he did it, but he gave them the authority to do that. And I, I'm just asking the question, are we part of the them? I'm not, we're not scheduling exorcisms. I'm just, I'm just, can we at least think about what might be happening in our world today and how maybe Satan has kind of tricked us into thinking it's all just, you know, bad family dynamics or whatever else. There seems to be something dark about those things, though, right? It's more than just... Bad psyche, you know, bad psyche. So, so now they have the authority to do it. We're going to go back in Matthew again. Next passage. So in Matthew 17, Jesus, there's a demon-possessed boy. The dad comes and says, like, the, you know, the demon keeps throwing him into the fire. Um, it was almost like epileptic seizures. And some people would say, well, that's what they, they thought it was demonic, but it was epileptic seizures. But there's other passages of the Bible where it says, Jesus healed those with epileptic seizures, comma, and those who were possessed by demons. So clearly there's understanding even in that world, there was a difference, all right? It wasn't just a lack of understanding of medical science. Because they said, so, so this man comes to him. And now this is what's interesting here. He came to the disciples first. Jesus gave them authority to, to deal with demonic issues. He came to the disciples. They couldn't do it. But wait a minute. Jesus, you, Jesus gave them the authority to do that. So didn't he give them power to do that authority? Is it like Shazam, magic power? All right. So let's, let me read it. Leave, just leave this slide up here for now, and I'll tell you when to switch. So at the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them, and a man came and knelt before Jesus, and he said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. So brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. And you think the disciples are probably over the side, and they might be like putting their heads down now. And 
I don't, I'm not sure how to respond to Jesus. Jesus said to, and he's saying this to the disciples. I don't have my disciple picture up here. I think I put it back in the closet. But you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must, must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Bring the boy here to me. And then here's what happens next. Then Jesus rebuked the demon. Rebuked is kind of a stern, stern come out of the, I don't know that Jesus had to yell or scream or whatever, but it was stern, right? Rebuked the demon, the boy, and it left him. All right. From that moment, the boy was well. Afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, I mean, if I'm standing at the back of the disciples' entourage, they go to Jesus. I'm trying to figure who, oh, Peter, why don't you ask him? So I don't want I feel bad. Somebody ask him, why couldn't we cast out the demon? I mean, they know that Jesus gave them the authority to do that. And they had probably had success dealing with dark world spirits prior to this point. Why couldn't we cast it out? And Jesus says, you don't have enough faith. So go to the next slide. If you were here last week, I talked about the passage where Jesus was telling people, you have too little faith. You have too little faith. He says that four times in the Gospel of Matthew. You have too little faith. This is a, a fifth time, but it's a kind of a nuance on how he said it. Why couldn't we do it? Well, you don't have enough faith. And he's not shaming them. I mean, he does seem a little exasperated when he says, you faithless and corrupt people, how long have to be with you? But he loves these men and women who are his followers. He loves them. He knows that he's going to entrust his entire kingdom enterprise with these guys after he dies and is resurrected with the power of the Spirit in them, of course. And he says, why couldn't they? You don't have enough faith. Now let's talk about what the word faith means. Faith doesn't simply mean, I believe, I believe. It's like faith is, the book of Hebrews tells us, faith is the evidence of what we don't see. So maybe Jesus was saying was, you don't really understand what you, what's happening behind the world you can't see. And maybe that's my challenge today. Not maybe, it is my challenge today because why couldn't we or why don't we see those things? And maybe Jesus is saying to us, you, you don't really see what's happening in the unseen world. One of the things we say at Exodus, we believe the invisible world is just as real as the visible world. And then how do we live our lives in that reality, that kind of amphibious reality because it's easy to live in the physical world and it's easy to say I believe in the invisible world I believe in angels and the Holy Spirit and the demons but it's maybe a challenge how do I live in that and that's what Jesus is saying to the disciples you don't, you, you, don't ha you don't see enough of what's going on your view of reality still is 99 or maybe 90% physical and yeah you know there's some invisible stuff happening but Jesus is saying it's, it's all happening at the same time so, why can't we? Well, we don't have enough faith. Now, I'm not... I ride my bike almost every day, and lately I've seen... Uh, I mean, if you've been on the Beeline Trail, the Jehovah's Witnesses have a big literature display. And they're standing there, you know, in nice, nice clothes and willing to ask anybody, talk to anybody about it. I'm not advocating we have a spot on the Beeline Trail where we say, um, we will cast out your evil spirit. 
But I am advocating that we start thinking about that reality, and maybe there's situations where we might. I've actually, when I ride by people, I hear talking to themselves, and, I, and I'm pretty sure it's not. They're, they're on, if they're on the phone, I know they're probably not a mental issue. But, but you know, I, I, I'll just pray, God, I, set them free. I don't know what that means. But at least start thinking that direction. At least when you, you know, the, the whole gun control debate, it's like, it seems like it's more about evil happening. It's, I, don't, I, don't know if it's, I don't know if it's all that much about, I mean, again, politics aside, I, I, I'm sure laws should change and could change and can change or whatever, and I'm, you know, all, Second Amendment, blah, blah, put that aside for a second. There's something else going on where it seems like there's evil in some of these young men especially that somehow have exposed themselves, probably through the Internet, through some dark forces, and they've opened, opened themselves up to the ways that Satan can have ownership of our souls. And so what do we do with that? I mean, do we have exorcisms? Not exercise, exorcism service. I'm just, a couple of months ago I did a series on some different issues. I'm talking about having a posture shift. Maybe I'm asking us all to have a little bit of a posture shift where we start at least asking, God, help us to see more into the invisible world. And I'm not just saying on the extreme cases of demonic harassed people. Scripture is very clear that demon Satan harasses us. Be on your guard. The devil walks around like a lion trying to find some way to scheme against you. You might think it's just dark, self-condemning thoughts you're having, but maybe it's the evil one who's shouting at you. I mean, most of the warnings in the New Testament about be on guard against the schemes of Satan, it's given to Christians. So maybe it starts with seeing what's going on in our lives from a visible and invisible world reality. I'm not saying all sickness or all mental issues or all depression is going to be from Satan. But let's at least ask the question. Let's at least pray. Okay, Jesus, would you... If there's anything happening that's coming from the invisible world of the evil one in that person's life, Jesus, would you show me what to do to help set them free? Would you set them free? At least pray that way. I mean, I, I'm not, they still might need help. They might need therapy. But just when you look at Jesus, he healed people. He healed people like boom, 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 boom. Even the disciples, when they were given authority, they healed a lot of people. And it wasn't like, I'm going to heal you. Now go for three years of therapy. Again, I'm not knocking therapy. I've been to therapy. It's helpful. But it seems like there's a piece, maybe we just, even as the church, we I don't know, maybe because we don't want to come across as sounding weird to people. But the invisible world, the Holy Spirit is weird, let alone demonic spirits. So what I'm going to pray for is pray that we have, all of us individually, more faith. And by that I mean more light that God turns on in the invisible world so we at least start wondering what's happening here. 
Because scripture says our battle is not with flesh and blood. The war in, the, in our culture today is not Republicans versus Democrats versus progressives versus MAGA people. It's not a war against Iran or China. Scripture says our battle is against invisible authorities in the high places, demons. And if we don't believe that, and this is where I think part of the danger of what's happening in some of the church in America today, if we really don't believe that, then we have to make the war against the Democrats or the Republicans or Trump's a demon, Biden's a demon. Because if we don't really believe that there's a war in the invisible world and that's the primary war happening, we're going to make it happen somewhere else. And then churches become places where they, it's political warfare and it's like, no, it's, it's not what's going on. We're kind of shooting squirt guns at the wrong battle front. So, so again, we're going back to the op- opening slide. Go to the next one. Um, Jesus says to follow him. Maybe there's a situation you run into where there's an issue that somebody has that you at least has a, hmm, maybe I need to follow Jesus and pray for that person in a way differently. Maybe I need to follow Jesus. I've actually thought this, and maybe I, I hope to, on the Beeline Trail, if I see somebody that's kind of obviously off, I've actually thought about stopping my bike and asking them, can I help you? I mean, that's, that'd be a weird thing for me. Like, can I even say, can I pray for you? And it's like, well, do something. I'm going to pray that God will stretch us. Even if it's a small way where you start praying for somebody. Like, Jesus, if this is a, if this is a demonic scheme against this person, I just set them free. And use me or whatever you can to help me set them free. Maybe that's the shift. Because otherwise, we're just living in the rest of the world's understanding of why evil happens, and it's, it's now becoming more and more. Evil just happens because of mental health issues. And we know that's not true. Mental health issues are real, but it's, evil doesn't happen simply because somebody's wiring gets messed up. It's because there's something else that's going on, and we don't think about that. So, so Jesus just says, follow me. So I'm going to encourage you to follow Jesus wherever he might take you and how you pray for somebody or interact with somebody. And we're not looking for a demon behind every metal post or tree or anytime somebody is, you know, if somebody mistreats you, don't blame them. Oh, they have a demon in them. That's, that's not the same. I'm talking about when you sense that somebody has a heaviness about them or a brokenness about them that, that will defy even mental health categories. Pray for them. Pray for them differently. Talk to them. Ask if you can pray for them. So I'm going to pray right now. So Jesus... Um, and one of the things I thought I would pray for is, to whatever degree there is any person in Bloomington, young man, old man, woman, whatever, who has evil intentions in their hearts to destroy people in this town, <laughs> and if those evil intentions, we understand, come from the evil one, would you even right now in that person's life, wherever they are, would you block that work of Satan? Would you interrupt them with the Holy Spirit in whatever way you can? And if that means you use us to do that, then uh, sign us up. Sign us up. So we know that. And, and then 
even along the Beeline Trail. And the people who, not all the homeless people, but the ones that we obviously tell there's something that's off with them that's more than just mental. Jesus, would you, uh, even if as any of us walk or ride along that trail, would we leave an aroma of prayer uh, for the defeat of Satan in the lives of people? And would there be ways that you might even show us to shift our behaviors to be active against the forces of evil and of Satan, which seem who, Jesus, you said this, all Satan wants to do is kill, steal, and destroy. That's all he wants to do. But then, Jesus, we also pray that in our own lives, lives of our family members, our friends, and others, that we would open our eyes so we can pray for people if we sense there's demonic oppression against them, if there's darkness on them that defies mental health categories. Jesus, would we pray that way? Would you help us see things? And... uh, Maybe take some risks in how we pray for people. Because, Jesus, we, we want to follow you, and we want to see people set free. You said you came to give life and life more abundantly, and Satan came to still kill, kill and destroy, and you've thrown us into that battlefront. So we want to be part of life and life abundant that you bring to people and uh, help us not to be afraid of entering into the weird zone um, to deal with issues that you dealt with all the time, and so did your disciples throughout the New Testament. So, Jesus, we love you, and uh, we are grateful, Jesus, um, that because of your death and your resurrection, you broke the hold of Satan. You broke his hold. You didn't just, it wasn't just a counter battle, you destroyed him. Uh, and we're grateful that the greater is he, which is great as you, Jesus, in us than the one that's in the world. So we have nothing to fear because your power in us is great. And if you lead us into battle, um, we'll go. Whether that means just praying for somebody or challenging ourselves or thinking differently about how to approach an issue. So we're grateful, Jesus, that you, through your death and your resurrection, even scripture in Ephesians basically implies that you shocked Satan and his demonic forces. You, you did something they weren't expecting and you broke their backs. And that's why we love you, Jesus. That's why we believe you alone have the power to change us because you alone have the power over evil. And we ask this all in your name, Jesus. Amen.